0: Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the last evening of camp meeting. Have you been blessed thus far? Have you received thus far? Have, have you been reset and come up higher? Amen. Well, if you did, I'm doing my job. If I haven't done that yet, I have one more night to get this thing accomplished. So praise the Lord. Well, we, we welcome each and every one of you. We're just so honored and thrilled. Thank you, pastors, for for coming and, and uh, supporting the meetings, advertising these meetings. And uh, uh, thank you all for, for coming. and. Uh, You know, believing God together. I want to take a moment to to thank all of our workers here at Family Church Fredonia. I know, uh, you know, we're here, we're enjoying the meetings and so forth, but. Uh, there's many many workers behind the scenes there's many many workers that cannot be in the services because they're serving your children they're serving meals and doing other things and so uh, we we know this without the ministry of helps we could do nothing and so thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart and I trust that all of you that are working that are not in the sanctuary will hear these words and so we love and appreciate you well um Let's go jump right in. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Now I'm going to ask this question. Uh, how many have not been to any of the meetings? This is your first meeting here tonight. We're, we're not going to... To crucify you or anything, we just want to know okay the, the majority there 's few, and we 're just so thrilled and uh, that you 've come and joined us tonight. We want to encourage you to get the archives uh, they 're available free uh, on the website, I believe, and Facebook and YouTube, all those you know things out there. Uh, the reason why it would be important because we we build each night. We, we did an introduction and we 're building on that and uh, tonight. By the grace of God, we're going to finish up and get everything the Lord has for us. And uh, we've taken for a text Luke chapter 9, and I made mention in the previous services. Uh, that I had a lot of things rolling in my heart that I believe the Lord wanted us to share in uh, in these meetings. And of course, I'm meditating in scriptures, but I was drawn to this portion of scripture and it just seemed like a good launching point of the truths that the Lord wanted to get over to us. And so we're visiting these truths and uh, by the help of God and your help, your your hunger, your desire, we're, we're endeavoring to get out what the Spirit of God would have to say to us. So let's go ahead and read this text Uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 27 it says this but I say but I tell you the truth that there are some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings he took Jesus took Peter and John and James and went up to a mountain to pray and as he prayed the fashion of his countenance was altered And his raiment became white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease that should be accomplished at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone and they kept it close and told no man in those days of any of those things which they have seen. And so uh, we've been looking at these verses and uh, we've endeavored to go verse by verse and uh, I counted them this morning. There are eight verses. I've been saying 12, 13. I have many verses that I meditate on and so I have a whole list that I do in meditation and uh, I never took the time to actually count how many verses are in this text. But the reason we're saying that is uh, we've gone two days and we've covered two verses. And so, you know, tonight we have to what? get to the other six verses but how many know we just want what God wants whatever he wants to say if uh, the Holy Ghost wants to emphasize a certain truth over and over again or take us in a slight direction over the same verse we're open to that because we're not just here to get a sermon we're here to hear from heaven and so that's what we're doing and so um Real quick, just uh, verse one, it says, This I tell you the truth, there are some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. We looked at the verse, we saw that that was a prophecy, that was a prediction, that was a word of wisdom. Jesus was telling his disciples, Hey, there is something coming. He looked over the horizon of time, he saw God's plan, God's will, what God wanted to do in their lives, and he prophesied it. This is coming. And so we've used that as a launching pad, and we ask what is coming to us? So There's a correlation here. Just like Jesus said, disciples, there's something coming to you. Well, there's something coming to us. And we looked at those things. First of all, we saw, of course, the coming of the Lord. Part of my ministry is to get people ready for the coming of the Lord. I had a, an experience March 26, 2006. I was caught up to heaven. And Jesus was having a pep rally in heaven. And he was saying, I am coming soon. And get ready. He repeated it twice and I was back in the earth and so from that time forth I knew it was time for me to start talking about the coming Lord and actually do what Jesus said. To what? Get ready and get God's people ready. So if you've been under my ministry you know I talk about the coming Lord. I talk about standing before Him. I talk about the end time move of God. All these things have to do with this coming. And, uh, but we also saw this. It said in the book of James you know, that we are to be patient until the coming of the Lord. And so we are patient. We are waiting for the Lord's coming. We ought to be saying, even so, Lord, come. But it tells us what the Lord is waiting for the Lord is waiting for the precious fruits of the earth. He's waiting for the harvest. He's waiting for the multitudes of people of his creation to come into heaven. And we're grateful that Jesus didn't come before we were born again. And so we are part of the precious fruits of the earth, but there are other people out there in darkness that need to be one. And so Jesus has not come yet because he wants them to come in the kingdom but in James chapter 5 we looked at this that before the fullness of the harvest can come in there must be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost he said he's waiting for the precious fruits of the earth and has long patience for it till he received the early and latter rain. And so rain is a type of revival. We looked at scriptures concerning uh, the end time move of God. We looked at prophets and prophecies, especially in the last hundred years. Um, You know, you have to either be blind or deceived not to know that the time is close, the time is near. I mean, Jesus said when Israel became a nation when Jerusalem goes back into the hands of the Jews know this the time clock has started that generation will be around for the coming of the Lord and depending on where, where the time is a generation can be up to 120 years so we're still in that window blessed be the Lord and uh, also some other things personally about knowing uh, being called and to know that ever since I was born that, that I would see the coming of the Lord so he, he is coming, he is coming. But in the last hundred years, there's been a lot of prophecies about the end time move of God. Uh, William Seymour, we looked at that, the famous Azusa Street revival. He said in a hundred years after this revival, there'll come a revival, not just in one location, but throughout the world, throughout all the churches and the worldwide uh, spread uh, of this revival. And it will the Azusa Street will pale in comparison. And I find that very interesting because I'm fascinated by the Zeus Revival. The glory was so thick that children would play hide and seek in church, you know, that they couldn't see because of the glory was so thick. And we see there's uh, scriptural examples of the glory. But the creative miracles uh, where people didn't have eyes and eye sockets, eyes uh, came into being. Where people had no limbs, limbs grew amazing miracles and from that little place in los angeles uh revivals spread out throughout the whole world but he said in a hundred years uh there's going to be a move of god that will cause this revival that they experienced hundred years ago to pale in comparison well that we're, we're in that time and then we looked at smith wigglesworth prophecies and others and of course kenneth hagan uh jesus appeared to him in september 2nd 1950 and uh, he said it's the time for the last great revival he said you've seen many healings and and many things but it's time to see miracles that there's going to be miracles performed in the last days that you have not seen before, and he, he said uh, through the prophet Kenneth Hagin that more and more miracles will happen until the coming of the Lord, and of course the scriptures and the prophets, and uh, and so we're proclaiming these things because here Jesus said, "Hey, these things are coming," and Jesus said, to the "Disciples, some of you are going to see it, some of you are going to walk in it." I say to you, glory to God, Jesus is coming. Some of you are going to see it, but this. End time move of God some of us are going to see it we're going to walk it we're going to experience it it is coming and of course these things have to be proclaimed to God's people in order for God's people to know about that about it and respond to it and that brought us to verse 2 where it says in verse 28 that it came to pass about eight days after these sayings he took Peter and John, and James, and went up to a mountain to pray. And we looked at this last night, that Jesus didn't say, well, the Lord showed me there's going to be this move of God. Boys, let's just sit back and let's put on Lucy on TV and get some pizza and potato chips, and let's just wait for God to show up. Then we'll be blessed. No, they they did something about it. Then after eight days, what did Jesus do? He took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, and he began to pray. And we looked at that that many times, and most of the time, prophecies need prayer in order for those prophecies to be fulfilled. We see this in the book of James chapter 5, uh, again about Elijah. It said that uh, Elijah, he he, of course, he prophesied it would not rain for the space of three and a half years. But in James, it tells us that he prayed uh, concerning that prophecy. So when, when Elijah stood up and said to Ahab, there's not gonna be any dew or rain for three and a half years, he just didn't sit back and say, well, we're just gonna hold out through this drought Evidently, he prayed for those three and a half years. His prayer, the power of his prayer held off the rain and the dew. We, we didn't see that in 1 Kings 17, but we see that in the progressive revelation of the New Testament. And it goes on to say that uh, he prayed again and the heaven gave forth the rain, and we know this that he went up to Ahab and said, "I hear the sound of the bunch of rain, and there was not a cloud in the sky and so he prophesied something was come to Ahab: rain is coming, there's going to be an outpouring, and there's not a cloud in the sky and for Oh, past 10 years, you know, people been proclaiming actually 100 years, but Dr. Dufresne, others, Kenneth Hagin, says it's coming, the rain is coming. We're looking, there's not a cloud in the sky. Well, are they false prophets? No, the Bible says it's coming. And there's been too many, uh, you know, proven prophets that prophesied this. Uh, I think where we failed is we've not done what Elijah did. That once Elijah prophesied it, he went down, uh, He went up to a mountain, he cast himself down in a fetal position and he prayed. And remember, he sent his servants and says, go see if there's anything coming. And I prayed real hard and nothing happened. Aren't you glad that's in the Bible? Yeah. Have you ever prayed and man, I hit heaven, glory, glory to God, you're ready for the angels to come. You know, knock on your door and deliver your answer and you open the door, there's nothing there. And so you're having a scriptural experience. When you pray, nothing shows up. And so that encourages all of us. But he prayed, and he prayed, and he told the servant, go check seven times. And at the seventh time, he saw, yeah, I see a little cloud. I see a little something. He says, that's it. That's it. And Ahab, you better get going because the rain is coming. And so uh, we're seeing that even Jesus, when he said something was coming, he responded by prayer that they they didn't uh, experience the prophecy until they prayed concerning the prophecy after they responded by prayer then you saw that they were caught up and they saw uh, the transfiguration and the kingdom of God come in power and I, I read to you a prophecy that Kenneth Hagin gave about the end-time move of God, and I'm not going to read the prophecy again, but uh, I will read when, and we may mention that here, uh, the Spirit of God's given Brother Hagin a prophecy about the future, about the end-time move of God, and then the, the Spirit of God interrupts uh, his own prophecy and says this, and says, now sit and say, well, let's see it come, And when it comes, then I'll rejoice, sort of like sit back. Well, I'm not going to do anything about it if God said it's going to come to pass. And the Spirit of God said, and nothing will happen. And he goes on to say, but arise. That means respond to it. Walk in the light. Arise. Leap into the realm of the Spirit. Of course, you do that by prayer. And into the deep waters of spirit, not just waters to wade in, but waters to swim in. And so we looked at that. And so something's coming, the end time move of God. We've talked about it. You know, what's coming? It's big, it's grand. You know, healings, miracles, and, and so forth. But our job concerning those prophecies is to respond by prayer so we took two days and two verses to cover that and you would think you would think we're ready for the third verse but there's still just a little a little something in that verse that we're going to have to check out and so the second verse which is verse 28 and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings he took Peter James and John and went up to a mountain to pray and so last night we emphasized the praying part. But notice the Bible says this they went up to a mountain to pray. You know, it's very interesting if you study the Bible, when God wanted to talk to Moses, what did he tell Moses? Get up in the mountain. And you see that more than once that when God wants to talk, uh, you you come up to me, you got to come up higher, you got to come up here. Then I'll talk to you. Here, Jesus, the Son of God, who was God in the flesh, in order to to have this visitation, what did he have to do? He had to go up to the mountain. Peter has a, a trance about the gospel being reached to the Gentiles, what did he have to do? He had to go up to a housetop to pray. The mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, I am not bringing a new doctrine that we have to now have services in the balcony. <laughs> we got to find the highest place in Fredonia, and uh, that way God will hear us. But I believe there is a principle here that is important. And I believe this applies not in a physical sense, going to a physical location, but a spiritual location. It's very clear Jesus went up. Jesus had experiences with God. Jesus walked with God, but there was something that God had for him for him to experience with his disciples that they had to come up from where they were. And so we need to look at that because you, you, you remember last Holy Ghost meeting, which would have been in January 2022, the theme of that camp meeting was come up higher or to rise. I made mention over and over again, the Spirit of God would say, come up, arise, come up, have my church come up and arise. There's things waiting for them, but they got to come up and arise to receive it. And here we see this principle that, uh, even though Jesus had a pretty good ministry, had stuff happening for Him, that uh, He didn't get into certain things unless He came up. So what is coming up? Well, I believe it applies two ways in our lives. Number one is going up higher spiritually. Uh, you know, as a person that I increase my spiritual sensitivity, or we could say it this way, our, my spiritual fitness. I think we can understand that uh, we, we look at physical fitness, that uh, we can be out of shape. I'm not asking you to testify how many are out of shape. But you understand, if you're out of shape, you understand there are some steps you can take to get into shape. You can't just stay where you are and be in shape. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if it says, you know you well, know, I, I, I'm just going to get in shape and I, I want to lose 50 pounds and so forth. And you just will it and wish it and you wake up, oh yeah, look at that. God gives me the desires of my heart. No, it don't work that way. You understand that there are some steps. There are some disciplines. There, there may be some things you have to lay down. There are some things you may have to pick up. And you know that it may not be fun for the moment. But you know if you'll do those things, you'll become more physically fit. And when you're more physically fit, you get to enjoy the benefits of being physically fit. Like being able to go up the stairs. Maybe be able to see your feet. You know, whatever your goal is. And so, that applies spiritually as well. You know, the Bible says, lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets us. And you know, all of us ought to be contending for God and all of us ought to know the weights that are are so easily beset us that, uh, you know, and we, we, we know this, that may, something that may be a weight for me may not be a weight for you. Something that's a weight for you may not be a weight for me. And our job is not to be a judge of other people's weights, but our job is to lay aside those weights. Because any uh, marathon runner knows this, that he, he can't be carrying a, you know, a backpack And run a marathon. It will slow them down. And so there are some things that will slow us down spiritually. And weigh us down until we let them go. And put them aside. And so all of us ought to be working our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know we could have an open mic here tonight. And you know in some churches they they would come up to prophesy. Thus saith the Lord. No our open mic is this. Tell us what your weights are. Tell us what God is dealing with you about. You know, you really ought to be excited and you know that God is working in you to will and do of His good pleasure. Whom the Lord loveth, He correcteth and chasteneth. You know, He's not doing it to hurt you. He's doing it to help you and that way you can get into His plan and run your race well. And so here, Jesus went up. Went up and so it can be like uh, physical fitness, spiritual fitness, that we come up higher spiritually. And let me say this when we're more spiritually fit, we become more spiritually aware. Now, give me one, write that down. That like was given to me. And I'll say it again. When we are more spiritually fit, we become more spiritually aware. Now, notice Jesus was spiritually fit. But he came up higher. And he became more aware of things that he was not aware of when he was walking down there. Same with Peter, James, and John. Same thing. There are things waiting for us in a place of more spiritual fitness. A place when we are higher. Uh, when I uh, did the uh, Holy Ghost meetings in 2022 about coming power, higher, the Lord gave me this illustration example there, there's things that God has for us he has prepared for us and they're waiting for us and we're down here Lord send them to me send them to me but like Moses said no, no you know you got to come up here in order to get them you know with this prophecy they had to come up here and uh, in order to experience it and the illustration that was given me is uh concerning my spiritual father Kenneth Hagan. E. Hagin September 2nd, 1950, in that tent meeting, uh, you know, Jesus said these amazing words. He said, Hey, son, I'll come down there. You just stay down there and I'll come down where you're at and I will give you this healing anointing and, you know, I'll bless you down there. And if we've read that, we, we all can quote it. What did Jesus say? Come up hither or come on up. And so here, you know it says about coming on up As Jesus went up As Peter and James went up They experienced more And so they went up to a mountain Again not a physical place But a spiritual place And so spiritual fitness And being as we're more spiritually fit We become more spiritually aware Of what God is doing in the spiritual realm But also it, it denotes Getting the places of the spirit Deeper than you are now all right, that went over well. Let's read that again. Get into places of the Spirit deeper than you are now. You, you have to understand this, that the Spirit is a place. And it's a place where God is. Right now, there's angels in this room. But you, but you don't see them unless you have the gift of discerning the as God wills. That is the spiritual realm. We know that this physical realm was made out of the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm, according to the Bible, is eternal. The physical realm is temporal. When this temporal no longer is here, the eternal will always be here. And that's where God is. And um, that is a place. And we are spiritual beings and we can access that place. And in that place is where our answers are. And uh, there is more for us to contend for in the realm of the spirit. It said this in the book of Revelation 1:10. That John said, I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet. And so here, John was on the Isle of Patmos. He was exiled, and that way, you know, he couldn't preach the gospel, do anything for God. And, and you know, he in the Isle Patmos, he was in the Spirit. The Spirit's a place. And in that place, he heard things, and he saw things. Jesus went up, got in a place higher, and what? He saw things, he heard things. And uh, this is available to all of us. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just think, well, this is just for the prophets. Uh, This is just for the prayer people. But all of us should in some measure get in the spirit. There are measures of the spirit. Uh, Ezekiel 47, God showed Ezekiel the river, the flow of God, the spirit of God, and he said that, you know, he waded out and got ankle deep. And you know, some people will only be comfortable ankle deep. And if you were Baptist, you, you didn't even get ankle deep. You stayed on the shore because that's excessive. You know, someone ought to take an offering about the elder brother. uh, About sitting out, not where there's joy and dancing and so forth. And, uh, you know, but the the prophet Ezekiel said, no, it was, they took me out. It was ankle deep. But then we went a little further. We got knee deep. Then we got a little further. It was up to the loins or the waist and went a little further and it was waters to swim in. And see, that denotes places in the Spirit. And there are things in the Spirit waiting for people. Brother Hagin had to come up in order to receive it. Peter, James, and John with Jesus had to come up. That's a place in the Spirit. Old time Pentecostals used to have this uh, saying, getting lost in the Spirit. That what they do, they get into prayer. And as you pray, and I've learned to do this, that you pray. Uh, when you, you pray, when you start off, you're, you're like on the ocean's shore. You're on the sand. You're not in the water. You know there's something out there, but you don't have to get wet to get out there. And sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't. And this is what I do is when I pray, I just pray and open up my spirit. And then I slowly begin to wade in the spirit. I get to, I get to my ankles I get comfortable at my ankles. Then I get a little further, and I get to my knees, and I get to then I can get to a place where I, I'm not conscious of anything on the earth, and uh, I, I forget where I am. I remember we, just recently uh, my wife and my daughter. We were praying in the hotel room, and I'm you know in the hotel room you don't want to be very loud, you know, because there's other people, and uh, you know we were praying, and uh, I, I got I got in the spirit. I the spirit, and i 'm out here. I, I forget about everything else i'm way out here, and all of a sudden I hear, "Dad, <laughs> and I'm hearing a nudge know what, 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 what what's going on? oh, I'm in a hotel room <laughs> and I'm being very loud right now <laughs> but the, the, there, there are places like that yeah. and there's places where there's answers, answers for your life that the Spirit of God has things for you. I just know this, if I ever need an answer if I ever need direction for my life all I need to do is is come in prayer, spend enough time in prayer, get, get in tune with the Spirit of God get in the Spirit and answers are there and for all of us but come up here too many times we want God to give give the answers on the on the shore. He says, "Come on out, come out of the boat. That's where the answers. That's where the miraculous is." It says this in Ephesians six eighteen: praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So really, all of our praying ought to be done in this place. And you know, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. Maybe we get in when we talk in our prayer conference. Uh, about the spiritual realm we ought to be people and brother hagan says we ought to be people of both realms yeah. we ought to be very proficient in this realm yeah. you know know how to operate in this realm and how this realm operates but we also ought to be very proficient in the spiritual realm and uh i tell you it, it's an amazing thing and I, I wish i had time to teach it but uh, what, what is the spiritual realm you, it's like this um, if you ever been underwater let's use the water illustration you know you know how it is to walk on the sand walk on ground but when you get into water things are different and one of the biggest differences when in your spirit that um, things that were super super heavy on land aren't so heavy in the water I used to use Reverend Scott but he's only half the man he used to be since last year <laughs> But, uh, you know, he's still a pretty big guy. You know, I, in my prime, I could have lifted him up and picked him up, but I wouldn't try it now. And, uh, you know, Vinny could, but I, I, I probably couldn't. But if we were to get in the water, we'd get in the water. What was so heavy now is, wow, I can lift this with one hand. And see, if life is difficult, and you're struggling, yeah, come, come into the water. Right, right, right. Come up higher. Right. You know, uh, maybe this illustration will help you. Have you ever been to New York City? Oh, yeah. yeah, you go to New York City? You look, and you're on the ground, you look up, wow, look at all those buildings. Everything is so big, and, and you, you can't see the other side of the building. And, and uh, it, you know, it's so big and massive, it can be confusing. Not to mention it stinks in New York City. I'm sorry I had to say that. It smells like sewage all the time. Yeah. And so, sorry, my New York City friends, but it's true. All right. I'm used to country air. All right, but it, these these skyscrapers are so big. But have you ever been in an airplane over New York City? And you look down, and they're so small, and you can see that you 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 have a different perspective. Well, did the buildings change? No, your elevation changed. See. Whether you want to use the the water illustration or the airplane illustration, when you come up higher and spiritually get time in the Spirit, time with God, things change. Your perceptions change. Your situations change. You know, God becomes bigger. Your problem becomes smaller in God's realm. All right. But we we got to get going because I haven't got to the third verse yet. So let's just go ahead. There's a lot I could say. Let's go to the third verse, which is what? Verse 29. As he prayed, he went up, he prayed. The fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment became white and glistening. Two things happened in this verse that I see after Jesus came up and he prayed. Number one, he changed. of course, we see that his countenance is being changed. Number two, that which was connected or touched him changed. So we understand this, that uh, when he got up into that place, his face became glistening, his body became glistening, uh, was being transformed. But not only was his body transformed, but there was clothes on him. Whatever he touched, whatever was in contact with him, changed as well. Brothers and sisters, do you see something here? This is true for all of us. That um, when we become more spiritually fit, we come up higher, we spend more time with God, and uh, we become more God-aware and spend time in his presence... Change happens. The first thing, the first area change happens. You change. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I can't talk about you'd be gossips, but I can talk about me. I need changing. You ever get in a place that maybe you're not so nice, oh, yeah. or, or maybe, or maybe you just know you, you, you know your attitude is not where it should be right now. And uh, you ever try to beat yourself on the back and try to correct yourself? And the more you correct yourself, the more bondage and, and, and frustrated become. It's because you're trying to change yourself. Right, right, right. There's an easier way. Yeah. Get in the presence of God and let the presence of God change you. Amen. Is there a chapter and verse for that? 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, that means all of us, with open face, beholding as in a glass or mirror, the glory of the Lord. So when we get in the glory, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. Notice that when we get in the presence of God, we're changed. And we're changed, not in a bad way, but in a good way. We changed from glory to glory. When Jesus went up, his countenance changed. We know this, when Moses went up, what happened? His countenance changed. You know what's going to happen to you and I? When we come up, the first area of change will be us. We will be changed. Glory to be God. And um, you know what the good news is? Everything we come in contact will be blessed because of it, Mama. When you get in the presence of God and you're changed, some you know you're going to be a sweeter wife. You're going to be a sweeter Mama, husband. When you come in the presence of God, you're going to be sweet and kind to your wife and, and considerate to your kids. You're actually going to be nice to your neighbor, your, your crazy in laws and outlaws and your neighbors and so forth. That that you're, you're unshakable. Amen. You know. Life is so much easier in His presence. Yeah. That's good. And uh, we ought to be getting His presence because it, it is simply amazing. You know, when, when God comes on me, I'm amazed how sweet and wonderful I am. Oh yeah, especially with the anointing. I do this, and you know oh, about the problems where if I'm out of the spirit, it says, "What's wrong with you? Stop crying like that." You know. But oh yeah, well oh, wonderful. Why? I'm changed. Amen. And believe it or not, I'll tell you this is God. Maybe most of you are like I am when when it comes to driving. <laughs> I don't believe in Sunday drivers. I believe that Farside commercial, there's a special place in hell for people that drive too slow. <laughs> How many of you have ever seen that, right? <laughs> you know, especially going to Jamestown for a, a, a Randy Greer meeting, and, and, and there's someone going three miles underneath the speed limit, and you cannot pass. <laughs> yeah. And you know, <laughs> Down, boy. Just I'm speaking naturally. I speak as a man, but you know what? It's crazy. When when I get in the presence of God, when I get hooched, and I, I've been spending time with God. When I get in the car, I become a Sunday driver. <laughs> I have no rush, no hurry. And I have no, no, no desire to be, be rushed anywhere. And if someone's got to go, I pull off the side. I say, bye-bye. And <laughs> with a sweet and wonderful heart. You cannot say that's not God. <laughs> you you asked my family before I was saved. I was so bad. After I got saved, my whole family got saved within six months. And one of them said this, you know, that's got to be God what happened. And see, the world is waiting to see God. But they need to see God in you. I've been trying. I've been beating myself and trying to pray. I've been trying to read my Bible, going to church, and it's so hard. Stop that. You're trying to change yourself. Get in the presence of God. Worship God. Come up higher spiritually. Fellowship with Him. And all of a sudden you come down, there's a glow on your face. It was said of Peter and uh, John that they perceived that they had been with Jesus. You spend time with Jesus and Jesus is going to rub off on you. I got a secret. For you. All of you can use a little bit of rubbing off on. (laughs) I'm number one on the list. I mean, if God can make me a Sunday driver, me sweet and wonderful, and oh, you poor dear, yes, I know it's so hard. It's so hard. God bless you. You know there's a God in Israel, there's a God in the church. How? You're changed. You're changed. Well, I've been trying to change. Trying to, I tell you, let God change you. Right. Yeah. Glory to God. Amen. And so, oh, there's so much. You know, and uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's said of Moses that he spent time in the presence of God. Not only did his countenance change, and no doubt his personality, his outlook changed. And that's another other thing, your outlook Especially if you have a critical spirit. I'm not asking for a testimony meeting here. You know, I'm speaking myself. Black is black, white is white. Get in, get out, or get run over. You know, very Christ-like, you know. No, but you get in the presence of God. And Jesus rubs off on you. And just, you know, you're just so merciful. You're just so kind. You're not... Intimidated, you're, you're not irked. You know, whenever you're irked and rushed and, and in a hurry, you know you've not spent time with the Master. Again, it's all in here. Jesus is coming for a fretful church. Jesus is coming for an irritated church. Jesus is coming for the older brother church. Oh, no, glorious. What makes us glorious is when we spend time in the presence of God, we're changed from glory to glory. Moses, his face changed, Jesus' his face changed. But something very interesting that happened is this in Deuteronomy 34, 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes waxed not dim, nor his natural force abated. That means in the presence of God, there's healing, there's health, there's long life. You'll find this out. The more time you spend in the presence of God, the, the less time you really need to be quoting healing scriptures and con- always trying to contend. I mean, I go, I go years and not even realize I have a body. Well, you know, how many, how many scriptures you confess? Mm-hmm. And I'll say I live long, healthy, and strong, but I get in the presence of God. The presence of God is a real place, and it will change you. And I I can tell you secrets about the presence of God. I can tell you how to get into the presence of God. I learned this as a young man, 19 years old. And I I have also learned when not to get in the presence of God. When not to go in the presence of God. Would you like to know? Well, let's take up another offering right about now, and I'll tell you. I have learned through experience not to get in the presence of God before I want to go to bed. If people say, well, I I go to sleep in the presence of God. No, you're a liar. (laughs) Because when you get to heaven, you're not going to see anybody sleeping up there. Okay. His presence is life and light. And that's why some, some uh, pioneers of old learned to, to walk in that. They, they, they need very little sleep because the presence of God sustained them. Now, don't be doing that unless you, unless you know how to do it. But I know this, and I've learned that I'll get in my bed and begin to worship God and get in the presence of God. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the glory of God would show up. And, you know, I couldn't go to sleep. I'd be, I'd be wide awake. I'd be quickened. Every time under an anointing, I can't go right to sleep. I'm up till, I, I went to bed at four o'clock this morning. Yeah. Why? The presence of God is life and light. That's why it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall go to sleep. No, they shall what? Renew their strength if you feel weak and sickly all the time and been trying trying to, to get healing and help, blessed be God, there's an easier way. In His presence, it will change you. It, it caused Moses to have long life. And it, you know, there's things in God's presence that are reserved for us. Can, can I, can, and I don't, we're only on verse 3, right? Did we get to verse 3? There's so many things we try in the flesh, trying to get somewhere where it's so light and easy in the spirit. All right, a lot of people have trouble with this, trouble with their minds, trouble with their thinking. Then when they pray, they say, I can't help, I'm I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. We're all naturally like that. And then we're, we're trying to you know, cast every thought, and we're in a big struggle all the time, casting down things, and we, we ought to be casting down thoughts and that come and Satan's suggestions and so forth. But brothers and sisters, there's an easier way. Would you like to know the easier way? Yes. We'll take up another offering for that. <laughs> this is freebie night. My mind was a squirrel like everyone else's. Critical, judgmental, you know, I, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't pray without bombardment. But I got in my bed one night, and I just worshiped the Lord, and I got in His presence. And I got lost in His presence, and it was like a couple hours, just, you know, and that's another thing, when you get in the Spirit, time flies. There's no concept of time. That's how you know if you're praying in the spirit or not. If you're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and says, oh, it's got to be an hour, it's been, you know, three minutes and 16 seconds, you're in the flesh. But when you're in the spirit, it's amazing. you go there and you think about it. it's been five, 10 minutes and all of a sudden it's been an hour, an hour and a half. And so I was getting the presence of God and I realized, my goodness, it's been two hours. It just seemed like it had been 20 minutes I've been in your presence And I said, you know what, Lord? I probably should go to bed. You know? But I I know you're watching me. I'm just so excited about you. But I'm going to try to go to bed. And I laid back my head. And I had an Acts 2 experience. The Spirit of God came into my room. And it said there was cloven tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost. That happened to me. The cloven tongue of fire. It was fire, but it also was wind. You know how... uh, 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 a fire that is out of control, blown by the wind, that that roaring sound, that's what it was. And it hit me in the top of my head and went through my head, through my being, out my toes. And I experienced perfect peace. It was like love, joy, and peace way beyond description. It was the atmosphere of heaven. And you know from that time, I could pray three or four hours and never have a thought enter my head. I, I, my wife can attest. I don't think about anything. You know, people ask, uh, you know, this since January 1st, all the test trials, $20,000 in debt because of all the goofy stuff happening. And, and this is happening, that is happening, the tax. And if someone were to ask me, Are you in the test trial? Well, I don't know. I'd have to look back. Oh, yeah, I guess I am, but <laughs> it's a beautiful place to live. Well, how, how hard did you get? No, no, I got in His presence. Yeah. Amen. I got in His presence. You know, Moses didn't try to make His face change. Right. Right. Jesus didn't try to make His countenance change. He just got where God was and change happened. You get where God is. Spend more time with God. Draw nigh to God and change will happen. And you'll be glad of the benefits. Amen. Amen. Well... Uh, Let's, can we, can we do one more verse? Yes. Let's at least get half the verses I intend to speak on. The first, fourth verse, verse 30. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. So Jesus went up, he went up to pray. Not only did Jesus get changed, everything that touched Jesus changed, it happens to us. But in the place of coming up higher, there are visitations from heaven. Notice Jesus got in the place and he was visited from beings from heaven or heavenly visitors. I speak by the word of the Lord in these last days that angelic activity will not only be increased, it will be multiplied. And you know, we read in the book of Acts, not only were there healings and miracles, but they were visitations, visions, angelic assistance. You know, and I've studied these things. You, you see this, that before Jesus rose from the dead the disciples had no experience with angels, except through Jesus, what Jesus said. But remember when, when Jesus was ascending up into heaven after he, he was crucified, gave instructions through the Holy Ghost, the first thing that comes on the scene to the church, what? Two men, dressed in white. You see this man, you see Jesus going up, the same man who's going up, he's coming again, and from that time forward, you see angelic Activity in the church. And uh, when we get to the prayer conference, we don't have time tonight. What increases angelic activity? Prayer does. Remember Acts chapter 12 when um, James was apprehended by Herod and uh, he was beheaded. No intervention. No angels. No... Heaven didn't do anything. But it says, when Peter got apprehended, the church ceased not to pray. And as they ceased not to pray, what happened? An angel appeared, a supernatural invention. Things happened. And so again, this just ties in. Angels, prayer, and the more we get up higher, the more spiritually aware we become. And if God wills, Heavenly visitations. That's good. Now you need to know this. And I trust you are taught. Well you don't seek. These things. You don't seek. Oh Lord I want to have a visitation. now. I want to have this. Because we know this Satan can accommodate you. Those that seek those things. Satan will accommodate them. God is a rewarder of them. That diligently seeks him. You seek him. And he will choose how to reward you. And sometimes he rewards you. With visitations. And so as Jesus came up higher, visitations from heaven. And I, I've been noticing this more and more in my life and ministry, there's been more angelic activities. And there's some things still yet to be revealed about, about these things. But very often, and they've been in my meetings that I'll be standing all sudden angels will come in into the service. And even sometimes as I'm ministering to someone in my office, all of a sudden an angel will be there. Then another time two angels will be there. More and more. Why? we got to get this job done. But how many know if we're spiritually lethargic and not aware of these things, we, we can't cooperate with heaven and an angel can be there and, and want to and deliver a message. Notice, oh, we should have more time. All right, Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John. He is praying. He He's experiencing all that God has for him. But it was supposed to be for disciples too. And they were sleeping. When you're sleeping, you can't get in on what's happening around you when you're awake. And I have a lot of scriptures, but that's in a further two verses down I was going to look at and I just ran out of time and, uh, and the Lord showed me some things about sleeping the Bible says awake unto righteousness uh, About we are not like those that sleep those that sleep at night there's a lot of exhortations about not being a sleeping church why? when you're sleeping church you're unaware of the spiritual realm and what God's doing and you'll be like Peter and James and John here Jesus being glorified they're having sleep they're missing it all I don't know about you, I don't want to miss it. So, what do you got to do? You got to be awake. awake. And you know something? This is free, no charge. I saw something, and pastors can judge it here. Notice, Jesus is having a visitation, and the disciples are what? Heavy with sleep. They just couldn't keep their eyes open. If you were there, and Jesus said, hey, come up with me, I want to show you something, would you be, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm tired. Yeah. No, you'd you just, you know, you'd be walking. Go, I'm going to do, who's got Starbucks run? Let's just, just wait this thing out. I, I want this thing. But you know, that's not the first time it happened. When Jesus, before uh, being crucified, he says, come with me and pray with me an hour. And again, it said they were what? Heavy. They just couldn't stay awake. You know, that wasn't physical. That was a spiritual oppression. Yeah. And see, there's oppression over the body of Christ. There's an oppression over people to keep them sleepy, to keep them down, to keep them dull. We've all experienced it. You know, when it comes to pray, we're just, oh, sleep, I, I, I just don't want to do it, I don't want to pray, I don't want to go to church, would, the, would Pastor Michael just please shut up, I want to go to bed tonight, it's been three nights already, sleepy, yeah, then, then of course the devil says, you're such a bad Christian, you ought to be more spiritual than that, what's wrong with you? Here he oppresses you. Then when you feel it and and, and you're you're struggling with it, then he condemns you concerning it. Yeah. Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth E. Hagin says, whenever that happens to me, he recognizes it's spiritual. Whenever it's hard to read the Bible, when it's hard to pray, he says, I take authority over that spirit that's harassing me. And when I do it, that thing leaves and light and life comes back again. That's someone's answer here tonight. Yeah. So much. And so sleeping. And as long as they were sleeping, they they were missing out what God was doing. But when they awoke, blessed be God, and they saw, they they got right into what Jesus was experiencing. Brothers and sisters, there's an end time move of God. God's going to do signs, miracles, wonder. It's going to be thrilling and be exciting. We're not going to be the sleeping church. We're going to be the praying church. We're going to be physically fit. We're going to be physically fit. We're preparing ourselves now for this thing that when it comes, we're not going to go, oh, I, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. No, our eyes are going to be open. It's so a glory to God. This is what God is doing. I'm in right smack in the middle of what God is doing. Now, my time has slipped away. But uh, I made mention of this, and we'll end with this, because I think I went to the bathroom, and the Lord said, end with this. He probably knew I was going to get to where I wanted to go, and so he says, you better at least say this. Tommy Hicks' vision. You've heard me refer to it over and over and over again. I want to encourage you to read it, visit from time to time. It is a perfect description of the body Christ a perfect description especially of the Laodicean church that Tommy Hicks was caught up in a vision and saw the earth and as he looked down the earth it was in primarily darkness and he looked and there was some movement and as he saw on on the face of earth was a giant that laid from you know the head at one end of the earth and the feet to the other uh, end of the earth and it was laying down, and it was all covered with debris and little, little creatures. And uh, let me see if I can pick it up here. Yes. And lightnings flashed over the face of the earth, and my eyes went downward and, out, and was facing north. And so suddenly I beheld, which was a great giant, I, I stared at it, and I was bewildered by the sight The giant was gigantic. His feet seemed to reach the North Pole, his head to the South Pole. His arms seemed to reach sea to sea. I could not begin to understand whether it's a mountain or this was a giant. As I watched, I realized it was a great giant. I can see it was struggling for life, even to live. His body was covered with debris from head to foot. And at times, this great giant would move his body and act as though it would arise up. Hmm, interesting wording. And when he did, thousands of little creatures seemed to run away. Demons that were oppressing the church. Hideous-looking creatures that would run away from the giant. and And when the giant would become calm or passive, they would come back. And then all of a sudden, this great giant lifted one hand towards heaven. And when it lifted up its other hand, when it did, these creatures by the thousands seemed to flee away from the giant and go into darkness and into the night. See, too many times we're trying to fight these battles in the flesh. All we need to do is rise up, draw nigh to God, come closer, God. Darkness cannot touch light. Slowly, this giant began to rise, and as he did, his hands and his head went into the clouds, and he rose to his feet and seemed to have cleansed himself from the debris and filth that was upon him. Glory, glorious church, and he began to raise his hands to heaven. As praising the Lord and raised his hands, and and he went in even to the clouds. And suddenly, every cloud became silver, the most beautiful silver as I've ever seen. As I watched the phenomena, it was so great I could not even begin to understand it. it. As I watched, I cried, and the clouds became drops of liquid light raining down upon the mighty giant. And slowly, this giant began to melt, began to sink. And into the earth itself, and as it melted, it seemed to form and it became millions and millions of people. This is the body of Christ he's talking about. And as I beheld the sight before me, people stood all over the world. They were lifting their hands, praising Lord. And at this very moment, there rose a great thunder, it seemed to roar from the heavens. I turned my eyes towards the heavens. Suddenly, I saw a figure glistening in white, the most glorious being I ever seen in my life. I did not see his face, but I knew it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stretched forth his hand to that one, to another one. And as he stretched forth his hands upon the people, the nations of the world, men and women, uh, he pointed towards them. And this liquid light seemed to flow from hand to hand and from his person. And a mighty anointing of God came upon them. And those people began to go forth and name the Lord. And it goes on about healings, miracles, everything that we've been talking about. What is the catalyst? The sleeping giant? The Laodicean church? When it begins to rise. Becomes spiritually fit. Begins to get in the presence of God. Begins to seek God like ever before. That which is bounded and kept in darkness will dissipate and disappear. And we become the church that's fit and ready for the end time move of God. I want to encourage you to read that prophecy. And it talks about all the miracles that happen, and about the glorious church. And when the church is in this state of glory, then Jesus comes for this glorious church. There must be an end time revival. For us to be ready, we must come up higher. Be spiritually fit, not be sleeping. We must have our eyes open. I wish I had more time, but this is my message. I approve of it. And may it bear more, much fruit in your lives, in my life. Amen. Amen. We trust you were helped. Amen. Encouraged. Lifted up. Oh, yeah. God answers. Remember, I said this. What is more important than what I say is what the Spirit of God says to your heart about what I say. And so I trust that everyone here, everyone here has heard something. Least encouraged. Stirred. God answers. Got breakthroughs. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We well, thank you for your goodness. We'll be that glorious church. We'll rise. We'll not be sleeping. We'll rise to our place. We'll rise to our grace. We'll not be the Laodicean church. We'll be a church that waiteth and, and is ready. And we will be alert and watch unto prayer for the end of all things is at hand. Oh, Father, Father, thank you for that. Thank you so much. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the Lord confirms the word that is preached. And very often, the way He confirms this is through the minister based on His equipment. You know, if you have a hammer, everything you do is a hammer. Uh, and same thing in the medical field. Uh, if you're just a naturalist, everything you, everything you do has to do around nature and herbs. If you're a doctor, you prescribe things. Based on their knowledge, their equipment, that's how they, they minister or treat people. And the same thing spiritually. Uh, James, uh, Peter said this, as such as I have, I give unto you. And so I have anointing. I have a grace upon my life. I, I, I've been given the ministry of laying on the hands. And that's why just about every service, as the Lord allows me to, I lay hands on for thanks. You don't hear me very often calling things out, you know, and so forth. I just flow the way God has given to me. And I know this, that I'm a sent one in these last days concerning prayer, concerning getting ready for the coming of the Lord. And there is a grace upon my life, an impartation. And uh, tonight, I, I would like to bless you if you'd allow me to, you know, and, uh, and see when I said that, the power of God just came into my hands. And uh, I, I saw this, and I knew I'd do it, I didn't know where it would fit in, but if you'd like to be ministered to, again, through the word preached, we've been helped and we we've been reset, but also there's an anointing that will break yokes. That will there will be impartations as the Spirit of God wills. And if you'd like to be ministered to, I'd like to bless you before you leave here tonight. And so uh, just follow the ushers' instructions, and I'd like my wife to help me with this. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, and uh, after you miss, if you can do Jesus anointed one, uh, that would help. Actually, why don't I go ahead? Uh, where's, where's the music team, or any of the music team that want to come up? Let me minister in the music team that way they can play music and sing. Now, Father, according to that grace that's upon me. Now, Father, I first going to minister the worship team because they're going to help me with their. The being a minstrel, and Father, an end time impartation. Oh, fresh fire, thou shalt be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil, fresh oil for your race. Fresh impartations, a fresh grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Now, that may be new to you. Is that's just simply the Spirit of God ministering to you? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! Did I get all the worship team? Oh, right there. How? Ah, oh, <laughs> ah. Uh, and if uh, how about this you know you can be seated if you're not standing waiting line that way you don't get tired but uh, be worshipping with us I believe there's we're talking about reset and this is part of it to be reset to come up higher to spread fire
1: oh Ah Oh Ah Oh Oh Ah Oh Oh, oh. oh. Jesus yo oh. See and one Jesus.
0: coming, Amen. and we're, we're going to be awake, we're going to be fit, we're going to pray, and we'll be smack dab in the middle of it, and the master's going to come, and we certainly love you, thank you so much for all the ministry helps, all the pastors, all the people, everyone that uh, supported the meetings, those that are watching, and thank you, thank you, we're going to get this job done, Amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed.